Monday night, May 6th at the Hyatt Regency in San Francisco. You're invited to join athletes and celebs at the Bay Area Sports Hall of Fame Enshrinement Dinner. Be there to celebrate this year's class featuring Olympic swimmer Jenny Thompson, San Jose Earthquakes legend Chris Wondolowski, Niners Super Bowl hero John Taylor, Sharks icon Patrick Marlowe, and the architect of the Giants dynasty, Brian Sabian. Be a part of this star-studded evening benefiting Special Olympics Northern California. To purchase tickets, visit Bayshoff.org. That's B-A-S-H-O-F.org. We're getting you ready for the game on The Build-Up with news from around the league, interviews, highlights, and more. Here's your host, Ted Ramey. All right, good afternoon, everyone. I hope everybody is having a lovely day as we get ready for the second-ever clash between the Sharks and the Seattle Kraken. We are going to be talking with JT Brown, the color commentator for the Seattle Kraken, who's joined us here in our preseason preview. He is also... uh, joined us when we talked about these teams the last time they were meeting up. But I thought we'd start off, as usual, by taking a look at where the San Jose Sharks sit in the standings right now. If we take a look at the Pacific Division, you see the Sharks sitting at fourth, one point back of Anaheim, one point back of L.A., and four points back of Vegas. So San Jose definitely hanging tough. Yeah, they've got teams that have games in hand on them like Calgary or like in Edmonton, but you know what? The Sharks can only do what is laid out before them, and when that has happened, they have done a pretty good job. It's not been great. It's definitely not been poor. I think for them to be over 500 at this point of the year, I'll take it. I'll take it any day of the week. Now, if we look at where they are in the wild card standings right now, it's also going to be in a good place, and I think that we should all be happy with this. The Sharks occupy the second spot in the Western Wild Card, three points back of Minnesota. So, yeah, they occupy the final spot right now, but, again, that sure beats the alternative, and it shows they are hanging around. Now, the Sharks have an interesting matchup tonight going up against the Kraken. For more on them, we are now joined by Seattle's TV color commentator, JT Brown. JT, what's going on, man? How are you doing? I'm doing fantastic. How are you doing? I'm doing very well, man. Just looking forward to the uh, second ever meeting between these two teams and the first ever time they'll be doing it uh, in the Seattle Kraken's house. How many times are are you or how tired of you uh, are people just referencing, oh, it's the first matchup here, first matchup there. You're like, okay, guys, it's the first season. I know. Let's get over it. No, there's there's a lot of firsts, so it hasn't gotten old yet. That's good, man. And I, I think it's. It's really cool. Like every time I do see a, a game, you know, with the Kraken involved, I find myself just slightly more engaged than I would be a normal game just because I haven't seen it so many times before. It's still got that, you know, that new car smell about it. So that is definitely part of the fun. Um, you know, this is this is a Kraken team that was mired in a losing streak for a bit and then got everything right um, the other night in a shootout win. So what what did you see? in the difference versus that win the other night versus what preceded it? Because there were some really, really tough losses for the Kraken over the midst of that losing streak. Yeah, you said it right. There was a, there were some tough losses, games that, uh, you know, sometimes you'd say, you know, you should have got points out of that, or at least, you know, or at least got points out of some of those games, but it just didn't, uh, it didn't work that way. And then the last game versus Chicago, obviously they, they played the, a pretty good game and without, I mean, flurry on, Chicago was amazing. I think uh, if you even just watched just the overtime, that was exciting enough uh, as far as the chances going, uh, you know, his way that just didn't end up going in, but they stuck with it and were able to get it done in the shootout. 
in terms of watching that one game versus some of the games that preceded it, was there anything different or was it just maybe a matter of, you know, the bounces finally going the way for the Kraken? Um, I mean, not necessarily the bounces were going their way in that game as well, because there were so many chances they had that, you know, they didn't score. Um, you know, the difference was, I think, in the end of the day, an overall team effort, full 60 minutes and, you know, being able to put together a full a full game, you know, against the Chicago team that, you know, came out here for one game. And, you know, obviously it ended up going well and, and stopped the skid there. When you were a player, when you heard people say, oh, well, that, you know, that three, two overtime loss to the Flyers or that two one loss to the Blues, you know, like, oh, it could have gone either way or, you know, you got a point. You did some of your work there. Did that ever did thoughts like that even cross your mind? Uh, I would say no. I mean, I think you want to win every game. Obviously, when it comes down to points at the end of the year, you know, getting that overtime loss versus losing in regulation, just getting a point, you know, that's when it comes into to play. But I think as a player, you're more or less thinking, you know, we still lost. Uh, you know, that's the the main goal. You're trying to win every game. Every time you step foot on the ice, your your focus is on getting two points and trying to win. Are you still pretty keyed in on the players' emotions and the things they're expressing after games, be it a win or a loss, being as how you're you're not very far removed from your playing career at all? I'd say somewhat. Uh, obviously, with uh, COVID and the way, obviously, it's just a lot of it's been on Zoom, so it's mm -hmm. kind of hard to really gauge reactions. A little bit different uh, when you were able to go in the locker room and kind of pull somebody aside and be able to talk to them. So. Obviously, I think, you know, just even throughout the game, you pick up on things. Uh, you could tell that uh, the team was was frustrated, uh, you know, and that happens when you're when you're not winning games. And I don't necessarily think that the frustration was a bad thing. I think we talked about that on our, our broadcast a couple mm -hmm. times where, you know, if you're showing the frustration, that means you care. That means, you know, you think you have a better team than what you're displaying. And it's all about trying to find the right way to use that motive as motivation, you know, going into the next games. You know, I, I, I imagine that for you, because like I said, you're not far removed from your career. I mean, I, I'm sure there are times where it's you wish you could almost go and say something to the guys because you've been in those situations before where you're doing the right things, but you're not getting the results that you want. Yeah, and I, I think that is a, a good thing about having, you know, some personal relationships beyond, uh, you know, from playing with different guys. And I can, you know, text them after a game and say, you know, hey, you guys had a lot of good chances and now they don't necessarily need to to listen to me or or to know, have to have me say <laughs> that to, you know, to know those things. But, uh, you know, just to just to point some things out, like even if there is, you know, on a downswing to be able to say, hey, you know what, I thought you guys did really well in this area, in that area. And, you know, you have that friendship as well. It's interesting when you watch that losing streak happening because there were, you know, like we said, tough losses. There was, you know, just any number of games where you said to yourself, that could have been a win. It always makes it interesting for the coaching staff. And we've seen it here in San Jose. They've had some tough losses, you know, two, one, or, you know, a three, nothing game where, you know, it wasn't really reflective of anything that you saw out there on the ice. And for the, for the coaches, you know, what do you think they do? Like how, how difficult can it be for them to go to the players and say, guys, you did everything right, but you didn't walk away with the result you wanted. Is that, do the coaches frame it that way in your experience or do they try to look at it a little bit differently or, you know, just, I know, like we said, it's hard because we're separated due to COVID, but I'm sure there were instances of your career where the coach said, yeah, we, we did things right. We just didn't end up with the right result. Yeah. I mean, I think that's all about, uh, you know, building the, 
I'll just say how you want your team to play. And if you're playing that way, you're going to win more often than you're going to lose. And I think it's pretty easy to say, you know, the first couple times, obviously, but after a while, if it keeps happening, you're like, all right, well then eventually you kind of, what's the next thing? How are we going to change this into, you know, getting that win? Because you can only say so much, right? There's only so many moral victories you can have, you know, as a player before, again, we kind of like said earlier, the only thing that matters is winning and losing. So I think it's easy to say right at the beginning and you kind of just have to have that belief in that belief in your coaching set, belief in your systems. And, you know, eventually it will turn around if you continue to just play the right way more often than not, you know, good things happen. And they played the right way against Chicago on Monday night. And you saw nice performances from a guy like Ryan Donato, who San Jose Sharks uh, fans know pretty well. What's been your thought in watching him so far this year up close? I've really enjoyed, uh, I mean, watching him. I, I enjoyed playing with him during my short time uh, with Minnesota where we were together. Uh, but, you know, I just I like the way he plays. I like uh, his shoot first mentality. Uh, you know, there's plays where he's behind the net and obviously there's defenders in front, but he's still trying to, you know, jam the puck out, either a wraparound or a quick low play, just getting pucks to the net. I think you, you see that uh, one. That's one thing I think that sets him apart from, you know, a lot of different players is no matter what, he's trying to take the puck to the net. He's trying to shoot first. And, you know, I like watching that out of him. And I like just the effort he shows on a night in night out basis. What about Jonas Donskoy? What's been your interpretation of him? Oh, he's been good. Obviously, I think the one thing that stands out is he hasn't scored yet. Uh, but if you look at what he does outside of that, he's been so close on so many different times that it's going to happen. But I think you look at the way he's helping with the assists and making other players better and what he does on the penalty kill. And obviously I've been in that position too. We haven't scored for a while. I know he wants to score, but, it, and it's tough sometimes to kind of take a step back and look at some of the other things that aren't on the stat sheet as much that you do and that you're doing to contribute to the team and to help them try to win those games. When you were getting denied on on shots, whether you're hitting the post or just not finding the back of the net, did you start to overthink where you were placing the puck? Because other than Timo Meyer exploding for five goals the other night, that's been a big bugaboo for the Sharks lately. They haven't been able to put pucks in the back of the net, or you know their shots have you know gone right center mass against you know the goalie. Did you find a way to get yourself out of that, or was it just a matter of like, hey, your skill set got you this far, you know, just let it happen, and eventually you will find the back of the net. It's, it's a little bit of both. Um, when you're in those slumps or things aren't going your way, it's very easy to overthink and to start, I would say, pit, like you're trying to pick your spot. You're kind of giving yourself an even smaller target to look at versus sometimes you just got to throw things to the net and you never know. It might go off a skate, might go off, you know, someone's shin padding in. You just don't know. So I think part of it is, yes, trying not to over overthink those situations. Very hard to do. But at the same time, you do have to rely on what got you there and sometimes just simplify things and where you're looking for that extra pass or you may try to, you know, pick that tiny little spot. Sometimes just getting to the, the puck to the net, you know, faster, quicker might throw the goalie off or it's a backhand play and you don't think it's a, a great A scoring chance, but just throwing it on net and anything can happen. So that's the way I tried to look at it is just when you're in that way, just throw everything to the net. And eventually, if you keep doing the right thing, something's going to change for you. Did you do a bit of a double take or think you misread the uh, box score the other day when you saw Timo Meyer at five goals? Uh, I, we were kind of getting word about it in the, our ear as it was happening. So <laughs> I kind of had already heard and kind of saw what was going on, but uh, yeah, five in uh, one game and not even, you know, was it wasn't through the second period. Yeah, I believe so. Uh, yeah. That's a pretty, pretty impressive number uh, and stuff. I'm sure 
Seattle has done their their homework and their breakdown. So hopefully that doesn't happen here tonight. Well, I, you know, it was really interesting watching these two teams go at it last time because, you know, in, I haven't seen obviously every cracking game, but I've gotten to see a, a lot of their games and thankfully ESPN plus and, you know, there's been a good amount of games on TV as well. You know, it's the Kraken the really took the Sharks out of their game pretty nicely. And I, you know, I wonder how much of that game can be used as a blueprint for when they go against them for a second time tonight. Yeah, you always have that blueprint if you played someone before. You kind of have a, you can show how you played last time and what you want to do to to mimic that. But also on the other side, San Jose has the same thing. Whereas, well, this is what they did to us last time. So it's it kind of goes both ways. You just got to go in, you know, kind of the same mentality of you know just trusting your system, trusting uh, your line mates, and you know if you play the way you want to play. If you're Seattle or if you're on San Jose side, they both are going to say the same thing. Like we didn't play the way we wanted to play and that's why we lost. So I think it's more or less just going in with that same mindset of just trying to play your game and not necessarily overthinking too much about what uh, your opponent did last time, even though you do have the you have a little bit of an upper hand because you have the video. You've played each other once now. Yeah, I mean, I would always imagine when you had success against a team, you would always try to do that dance of, you know, do we double down on what we did? Or now that they know what we do, they're going to be defending it more. I mean, that's, I mean, JT, you know it far better than I do because I'm just a broadcaster. You've been in the dressing room. You've heard these conversations. I mean, I have to imagine that there's a lot of consternation on how much you do want to double down on what you did that was successful before or make changes. But then, like I said, you get in these, you know, war of, you know, ideologies of whether or not you do the same thing over and over because it worked, but obviously they'll know that. I'm under the mindset of you do the same thing until they stop you, but you have to have a a secondary game plan of what are you going to do if it's not working, right? So you did a certain four checker, a certain neutral zone, and that's what was working for you. Now all of a sudden it doesn't, well, what's the next play? So if you have something in your back pocket, you know, ready to go, but I want to, I wouldn't say it is from a player's perspective, it doesn't really do too a whole lot, especially since it's only been one game. It's not like they have your number. It's not mm-hmm. like you've for the last three years, you've only won one time in their barn against this team here and there. And then it starts to maybe play the mind games on you because you just haven't been successful there. But, you know, with a one game, I think in a, as close of a game it was and how good of a game it was, I wouldn't say there's a, a too much of that. You think both teams are just going to go in and say that they need to play their own game here. Yeah, and it'll be interesting to see. And, you know, I'm curious, we talked about stuff at the beginning of the year and in the preseason about where you thought the Sharks were going to be. And the Sharks, I think, I mean, myself included, they've overperformed compared to what I thought they would be. Are you surprised that the Sharks have overperformed? Or maybe are you not surprised because there are players like Brent Burns and Eric Carlson and Logan Couture that, you know, constitute the core of this team? Yeah, you have a you have a good group of, of veteran players that have been very successful in this league. And then, you know, bringing in some some younger players as well, you know, giving them their opportunity to step up in different situations. That's the one, I guess I would say a good but weird thing about this year. And with COVID and guys moving in and out of the lineup, you have to be able to to move some younger players or players that haven't, uh, you know, had that experience yet and done a good job with that so far. What do you expect to see here tonight? You know, all I, I think I said it last night too. All I hope for is a good game. Those are the best ones to call, right? Uh, you don't want to blow out as much as it would be nice to see six, nothing Seattle. Uh, you know, those tight games, those close ones, those are, those are fun ones to call. And you know, that's all I hope for. It's just JT, a good game. Yeah. Hey, JT, always a pleasure talking to you, man. I appreciate your time. Have a great broadcast tonight. and We'll talk soon. All right. 
All right, thank you for having me on. Again, that is JT Brown giving you a bit of a preview of tonight's matchup from the Kraken perspective. For the San Jose Sharks, in my opinion, it is keeping it rolling. Obviously, Timo Meyer went supernova on Monday, five goals, a San Jose Sharks record, only the fifth guy in the last 25 years to do that. He also did it in two periods, which is even more wild. So for Timo, I would expect him to stay hot, actually, because guys – like Timo, they score in bunches, and it can kind of stretch out over a couple of games. I wouldn't be surprised if he scored a couple tonight. You know, I, I think that he was locked in, and I think he's going to be looking to recreate that. So don't be surprised if Timo goes off once again. Now the Sharks are going to have Aiden Hill in net tonight. Uh, this is what Bob Bugner had to say about why he's going with Hill tonight as opposed to Reimer. By the way, not that I have any problem with that. Both the Sharks goalies are playing great hockey right now. Well, both guys coming off of uh, good hockey. Uh, they both played well of late. Um, we want to play uh, Rhymes against Tampa Bay on Saturday um, and obviously didn't want Hiller um, sitting around till next week on a road trip to get his uh, next start. So it's about keeping both guys uh, game ready and, and uh, um, both guys who are having some success of the late to, uh, you know, keep that net. And Bugner also talked about what the consistent play of the goalies has meant for the Sharks up to this point of the season. Oh, it's helped us. I think that uh, um, especially at the beginning of the year, um, we had some uh, sort of, let's say, stand on your head performances by, you know, Hill and Reimer both. And um, um, I think that really kickstarted our season off. I know we went 4-0, but I thought it was a, just a good sign of things to come. I think that we felt comfortable with both guys. We still feel comfortable. They both had their uh, moments when they rode hot streaks and um, even when their plays dipped a little bit individually they picked it back up and found it again and that's important and uh, um, you know it helps us obviously on our PK percentage um, it helps us uh, even though we've changed our defensive uh, um, setup a little bit in, in our zone and we're tight we're blocking more shots and all those things uh, um, I think it's given this team a lot of confidence that we can you know the ability that we know we can win any night one of the nice bright spots for the San Jose Sharks as of late has been the play of Jacob Magna, who was asked what he's thought about his own play lately, given the fact that head coach Bob Bugner says he can't take him out of the lineup. Been happy with it. Obviously, I'm trying to get better every day, but uh, I think the biggest thing for me is just trying to take advantage of the opportunity I have right now. And um, I know they don't they don't come around that often, um, being this my eighth year playing pro hockey, and I'm um, just trying to do everything I can to, to learn and get better. And you know, a lot of work went in to getting back here. And so I'm just trying to uh, do the best I can to uh, keep things simple and stick to my game. And he also talked about the on-ice chemistry that he's had with Eric Carlson. You know, he's obviously such a talented player. Um, it's one of those things where I, I'm just doing my best to make things easier on him. Um, and he obviously can, can go to his full uh, offensive potential and make plays. And I'm kind of just the safety valve for him. Um, you know, I think it's it's a good dynamic with him being such a good skater and wanting to jump in and me kind of being the stay at home guy. Um, it's it's a dynamic I've had uh, a lot of times in my career. So it's definitely uh, worked out so far and just just trying to keep it going. And he also talked about how it's different playing with a player of Eric Carlson's caliber. Yeah, you know, you, you try to get uh, the puck into, into your best player's hands all the time as a defenseman. And, and normally it's a forward. But right now, obviously, it's, it's my D partner. So um, just getting pucks to him quickly and in good spots. Um, and just kind of letting him make plays and supporting him when he does need an out um, and just kind of keeping things simple when it does come to me. And, you know, that's kind of always been my, my motto as a player is, you know, make the, make the first pass and get it to the guys who can score the goals. So having, having to be your D partner is just another option on the ice. Um, and it's, it's been great. Magna also weighed in on what he thought the team has been doing well in his time back up with the Sharks. Yeah, I think it was similar to when I came up the first time where we're really just breaking out as a group of five. Um, we're killing plays 
uh, quickly in the D zone and, and with their support there. So when you do get the puck and you're able to stop uh, another another player, you have an option for where to go with it or someone's coming in to help you get the puck out. Guys aren't flying the zone. Um, and we have a great group of centermen uh, and the wingers are doing a good job of just staying at, at the height of the puck. And, you know, we're breaking out as a group and then we can go in on offense as, as a five-man unit. So look for that to ideally continue tonight if the San Jose Sharks want to get a win, which could come at a very good time for them as things are so tight in that Pacific Division right now. Seattle finally got a win to break their nine-game losing streak and they sit in second from the bottom in the Western Conference. But in the division, they do rank dead last 11-23-4 for 26 points. However, they did beat the Sharks when these two teams met earlier this year. Pre-game coverage starts at 6.30 right here on the Sharks Audio Network, and the game starts at 7. Join Dan Rusinowski for the call. We are all out of time. Join me tomorrow morning on Morning Tide. For the San Jose Sharks, I'm Ted Ramey signing off.